0: First of all, I'd like to thank those of you that are out here this evening. And uh, I was hoping that you would turn up. And uh, you're here, and I'm delighted at all that. This church is a viral church, whatever goes on in here uh, is being seen and heard (laughs) all around the world. I had received messages from nations of the world telling me what happened here. And I said, it wasn't the same place I was. (laughs) But in any case, I want to thank you. Uh, Again, I wasn't expecting your response to the love offering. I want to thank you for the thoughtfulness, your pastor, your generosity, and uh, just your faithfulness. Uh, remains contagious. I sent, uh, I was pleading for images of this morning's service so, so I could send to my church and tell them I'm not coming back. <laughs> Staying behind to do my masters. <laughs> oh, God is a good God. Uh, they said they'll send an entourage. So bundle me, put me in the crate and bring me back home. Dead or alive. But we're glad that we serve a living God. Genesis chapter 21. I'm just, I love evening service because we can be real. We can talk things the way they really are. You know, in the morning you try and be very nice and very... But in the evening, we can, especially after today's game of Arsenal, I didn't say anything, I just said of Arsenal, (laughs) God's own football team. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking of painting my church in Arsenal colors, but we'll see. I want to share a story with you as I launch pad my message tonight. Two robbers broke into a house in the dark. And soon they heard a voice from the pet parrot. The parrot said to them, Bruno is watching. They looked at each other and wondered where did the sound come from? Then the bird said again, Bruno is watching. They soon realized that it was a parrot in the cage. Ignoring the words of the parrot, they proceeded to steal all that they wanted to steal. But to do so successfully, they realized they had to turn on the lights. It was only when they turned on the lights that they noticed a ferocious, massive dog staring at them. And then the dog pounced on them, ripped into them, tore them apart, left them bleeding, and they ran away from that place, taking nothing with them, because the name of the dog was Bruno. There are things that happen in the dark that we do not see. In the text that we are going to read tonight, we realize that certain things are happening behind the scenes that we know little of. If you'd follow with me, I'm going to read from verse 12, Genesis chapter 21, or maybe you want to follow on the screen. The Bible says, but God said to Abraham, do not Be concerned about the boy and your slave. Whatever Sarah, your wife, says, you listen to her. Because your offsprings will be traced through Isaac. But I would also make a nation of the slave's son because he is your offspring. Early in the morning, Abraham got up and took bread and water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down nearby about a bowshot shot away. For she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. So as she sat nearby, she wept loudly. God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is wrong, Hagar? Do not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy from the place where he is. Get up. Help the boy up and support him. For I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the water skin up and gave it to the boy to drink. Now, I want to minister just for a few moments this evening. It's an evening service. I wouldn't keep you here long. A sermon I've entitled, Turn on the Lights. And the first thing I'd like to consider with you is our ignorance. Mankind may be extremely educated. I can sense that in this church. But there are more things that we do not know that exist than the things that we do know. I tell people in my church, the things that you do not know are far much more than the things you know. We know about science. Science is still working hard to discover many things that God had put in place on the day of... Uh, of, of, uh, of um, creation things were put in place and we are still learning we are still trying to discover these mysteries but there are other things that we do not fully know about because of our refusal to wanting to know we can become consumed with our little world and we fail to see or notice the expanse out there We can be so consumed about our own issues that we fail to see the dying world out there. One of such things that we fail to understand, many of us, is that we fail to fully understand the love that God has for us. There are people here, you've heard the word, God loves you. You've actually spoken those words, God loves you, but do you fully understand the love of God? In our text this evening, the death of Hagar and Ishmael wasn't part of God's plan. The Bible says that he doesn't wish that any would perish, but all would come to repentance, and that includes you. So God wasn't putting Abraham on the spot so that Hagar and Ishmael would have died. If you were God, you would have put Ishmael and Hagar to death because they interfered with God's plan. Ishmael and Hagar were fully ignorant of what God was doing. And this is very common. There are people seated in this building. We carry on suffering needlessly. We sing a a song in our church uh, about uh, all what pain we often uh, uh, carry or forfeit all because we do not take everything to God in prayer. So we suffer needlessly and uh, there are those in our culture That I've come to the religious mindset that maybe this is what God wants for my life. Maybe He just is teaching me a lesson. See, God doesn't have to make you suffer to teach you a lesson. We've been consumed. We read about Hagar here. She's been consumed because of the lack of water. The Bible says that she could not see God's provision. She's consumed about her own situation. The Bible says that God heard the cry of the lad. Now both of them were crying. So how be it that it was the voice of the boy that God heard? Because Hagar was consumed by her issues. This is not fair. I didn't ask to become a mother. I didn't ask to be a slave. I didn't ask to bear a child for Abraham. And all of a sudden, I'm not the one that was mocking Abraham or Isaac or Isaac or Isaac or Sarah. It was my son. Why am I the one to suffer for someone else's errors? She's been thrown out of the camp. You can imagine the torture in her mind. Years ago, I heard a story of um, of a daughter that was um, had a mother back in the village, and she was uh, in the foreign country. And she would, uh, once in a while, uh, you know, try and help her own mother and her grandmother who had sacrificed all they had to send her overseas. So she will send money back home. And as she does that regularly, the mother was living in abject poverty. She had no proper roof over her head. She had no proper bed to lay her head. She dressed foul. She was just, and people knew her. And they knew that she had a daughter overseas. They knew about the sacrifice that she made in order to send this girl abroad. And so they will once in a while begin to speak to her. How be it that your daughter never looked back to look after you, to care for you. You know, we don't have NHS in Nigeria. I know NHS for you in England, here yeah, is rubbish. Please give us your rubbish. We don't have welfare. You queue up and receive money weekly or free accommodation and free transportation. We don't have those things. You've got to struggle to have them. Oh, come on somebody. So this woman was suffering. So one day her neighbor came and I said said to her, listen. A young neighbor came, listen, we've got to talk to your daughter. What's happening to her? At least let us send something to you for your upkeep. The woman said, don't mind that girl. Useless. She doesn't do anything but only send me photograph of her boyfriend. Photograph of her boyfriend. The same photo all the time. So the woman got curious and said, hey, let me even see what a boyfriend looks like. So the woman said, all the photos are under my mattress. Go and look at it. So the woman goes to the, under the mattress and gathers what was meant to be photographed. And there were $100 bills. Lots of it. Photograph of our boyfriend. <laughs> Who needs to see photograph? Now, this woman was suffering because of her ignorance. Provisions were made for her by her daughter on a regular basis. But because in her mind, these are photographs. And she lived like a poor woman. If I was the one that discovered the money under the mattress, <laughs> you know what you will do. <laughs> you know, we said Sunday evening we are real. <laughs> this woman was so wealthy. Yes, she's living like a poverty. Could that be the story of your life? that the Holy One of Israel created you with his image in mind and clothed you in wealth and covered you in success. But because you don't understand what you're going through, you assume he wants to take from you. I declare to you tonight That There are people that are just ignorant and they could be sitting on an incredible amount of opportunity in this life that would go wasted because they just don't understand how God works. Maybe you're here tonight. I want to tell you this. God has so much in store for you. Or oh, you missed a good place to say amen. amen. He has so much in store for you, yet you sit down here tonight, you're suffering because you're ignorant of God's love. Our minds can become consumed and conditioned to giving up. I'll say, maybe you're here, you're considering giving up giving up on the pursuits of life, giving up on career, giving up on relationship, giving up on serving God, giving up. You yield to failure. You listen to poverty. You've assumed wrongly that whatever you are going through is God's punishment for something that you had done That you ought not have done. You've taken God's plan and provision for granted. If you're married in this place, (laughs) your wife is part of God's plan for your life. And your husband, and I know you have issues with him. (laughs) He is not the epitome of what you thought you were going to get married to. But that one is part of God's plan for your life. Listen to me tonight. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life. Yet we misinterpret it. God said in verse 13. Talking about Hagar and Ishmael, He said, but I will also make a nation out of this slave boy. Because... He is your offspring. You can imagine Ishmael listening to that. You can imagine Hagar listening to that. But right now, they're about to die. They've thrown away God's words. God's words are yay and amen. But they've thrown it out. Where is a nation that's going to come out of Ishmael? All I can see right now is death. And I wonder, what has God said about your life? That because you haven't seen it, you've stopped believing it. I believe that God has written some good things about your life. And don't redefine or misinterpret what God has written because of your current situation. Listen, this is just a page your life, my life has 60 chapters so far. I believe there are more chapters that I have not read. Your life has filled with chapters. And the book is voluminous. But all you can see, some of you are just seeing page 30. And you think that's it? I ain't going to get married now. 30? 30 30 is just like a baby in comparison to all that God has written. I want to read the last page. (laughs) How many of you like to read the last page? I'm going to read that last page. You you can't fast track reading it. You have to take it one chapter at a time. You know, to God, I want to see that time that you're going to see where the writer, the president of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, uh, Pastor Glenn Booth. how many of you like to hear that? <laughs> now, that's, that's the book that I wrote. <laughs> now, I don't know what God wrote. I, I, yeah, I want to see <laughs> Top 10 billionaires,. <laughs> Number three, Pastor Glenn Booty. That's the book I wrote. Unfortunately, no one's reading that book. But God, (laughs) he has written something about you. Brother, he has written something about you. No eyes have seen it. No ears have heard it neither can he enter into the hearts of even the prophets what God has in store uh, for you. I'm talking about you, young lady. It's got something. Yeah, Don't look back. I'm talking about you. This is for you. And you. And you. And you. Be patient to read one chapter at a time. So let's look secondly. Because we draw conclusions. See, for years, now I don't know about you, but for years, how many of you grew up at least one day in Nigeria? Let me see your hand. If you grew up one day, leave your hand up there. My goodness me. Okay. Uh, Where was I preaching once? I said... How many of you, uh, you know, you're Nigerian? I'm saying, even white people raising up their hand. (laughs) Yeah. I said, How did you become Nigerian? I married a Nigerian man. (laughs) But listen to me. I grew up in Nigeria. I left Nigeria at the age of 24. And so, in my mind, how many of you know what Nepa is? Now, for those of you that don't know what Nepper is, it means never expect power at all. <laughs> no, sorry, it means the National Electric Power Authority. They are your, uh, uh, like, what do you call it? in the, in the L L E B? What do you call your power suppliers here in in Hull, in the Midlands? Or when the, you know, you know the one, the ones that bill you crazy bills. You know what I'm saying? Anytime you turn on the light, they charge you for it. Now, so we have them in Nigeria. And these, and Nigeria is a wonderful, beautiful place, very tropical. I've been back in Nigeria twenty six, going 27 years. I love it there. I can't live anywhere else. When I came here a few days ago, I had knee problems. In Nigeria, I sprint around now. I, I don't know whether it's your little cold or not. I've been hobbling around like this, like an old man, you know. But be that as it may. When it rains in Nigeria, it pours. You ain't seen rain here. That British rain is funny rain. It can start at 9 o'clock in the morning and don't stop till 9 o'clock the next morning. Just tiny little bit. Just irritating me. If you're going to fall, fall. <laughs> so where I, I come from, where you see the clouds, where you see, you see the overcast, you know, and unfortunately, when you see the overcast on Sunday morning, no church. <laughs> so when you see that, there's some joy that come upon you. You say, The fresh breeze, you know what I'm saying? The, the green grass, uh, you're just happy. And the whole street is going to be mucky, but you're happy. And so I've conditioned myself. So when I went back to Nigeria, I conditioned my mind. That whenever it rains and the wind blows, this organization called NEPA must switch off the power grid. So as soon as the wind blows and the uh, and the um, uh, and, and the rain start falling, I don't know why. I still don't understand why. I thought water generates electricity, but to them they switch it off. So the first time you know my kid was six months old. When we went to Nigeria, she's twenty six plus now, and so when we went, so when they switch off the lights, ha! -ha. (laughs) After about three weeks, one month, I got used to it. So when they switch, (laughs) (laughs) then my parents' house when we first went, you know, we'll crank the generator, the light would come on, and so. But listen to me. Now years go by. These had conditioned, listen, problems can condition your mind. It had conditioned my mind that as soon as the wind blows and the rain starts, nepa, that's their name, they must strike. There would be no light. So, this particular day, the wind was blowing early in the morning. No morning prayer that day, you know. Wind was blowing, and about six o'clock, the rain torrential I mean, the roof, everything was so. I decided to go and pray downstairs. could not go out, went downstairs, and sat down on the corner of my lounge and started praying. Yes, and then they took the parry. I'm sorry, I there was it was dark, so I'm just saying, I'm just praying. And so I must have prayed for about 20 minutes. And I thought, nah, the heat is too much. Either open the doors, a fresh breeze would come in, or go outside and go turn on the generator. So I decided I was going to go outside and turn on the generator so I could turn on the... Air conditioners and everything. So I went up to the generator, which is a fair distance from my house. From the house, so I went in, in the rain. I'm got an umbrella there. It's blowing. I'm pulling it, and so we go. I go. I go up there. All this while, my wife is just enjoying the good morning sleep. <laughs> in the rain, I crank the generator, and just as I about to change over from the electricity to the generator. I just looked at the guardhouse and I saw the lights on. So I turned off the generator, went back inside of the house and then turned on the lights and there was light, which is abnormal. Rain, wind, light. And it dawned on me that on this particular day, Even though the winds were blowing and the rain was falling, whoever was behind the control in Nepal had slept. (laughs) Because he didn't turn it off. But this is the key. I suffered needlessly. 20 minutes praying in darkness, 3 to 5 minutes walking in the rain to go and turn on the generator, Only to find out that there had been power all along. And this is how many of you live your life. There had been the provision of God. There had been the protection of God. There had been the word of God. But you have conditioned your mind. You have decided that if this happens, then this must be the result. If I'm going through this, it's because of this. You are not even turning on the lights. You have made up your mind. This is how it's going to be. A, a one plus one always has to be two. You're suffering. Like I suffer, like that day I wrote this sermon. <laughs> so this sermon was not written with you in mind. It was written to turn on the lights, Glenn, next time. Turn it on. Are you following with me? Okay. I think I have to turn on the computer too. Okay, I'm on. So we suffer needlessly because we're trying to figure out things ourselves. There is a spiritual parallel to this. There are people here, you've come to some strange conclusions about life and about God. And it's not in the Bible. You heard a preacher say certain things. And it sounded logical to you. But it's not in the word of God. You go through delays. You conclude that this must be denials. We see delay as God's method of torturing us. Rather than God's method of training us. We see poverty as punishment rather than see it as preparation for plenty. That rainy night taught me a lesson. I suffered needlessly praying in the dark when there was light all along. I have known people that suffer all through life when advice and wisdom from headship is a phone call away. Right. All they needed to do was to ask. But they didn't ask. Hagar and her son would have died needlessly if God hadn't stepped in to open their eyes. I thank God that He can still open our eyes. I thank God that he can still hear our cry. And so God advised her what to do. He said, get up. Pick up the boy and support him. And then I would make a great nation out of him. Sometimes when we're going through difficulty, we want God to do everything for us. Instead, God said, you have to do this. For yourself, for thirty-eight years, the man by the pool of Bethesda had conditioned his mind with a superstition that unless the angel of the Lord comes in here once a year, I don't want to serve a God that does a miracle once a year. Kind of, but this is what he had come to believe. That it's only once a year that the angel of the Lord will come in there and stir the water and whosoever gets in there first. You can imagine he came there, he met some people there. But he also came there and some people met him there. Some people got their miracle and left. So in all of his experience, he had only seen 38 miracles. This morning we saw 16 that's what God can do. Yes, amen. All in his mind, one miracle a year. Now, if I was the one, I pray not to be, I will be living in the pool. Yeah. I will figure it out. Year one, the angel comes, turn it on. <laughs> one person gets in there, gets out alive. Year two, another person goes in there. Mm, I'm not that stupid. By year five, I wouldn't have known the kind of month of the year the angel comes. Mm. At least by year 12, I would have done a, a cycle of 12 years, 12 months. Um, it comes in January. By the 13th year, I'll be in the pool from January to December. <laughs> oh, come on. Now here you go, meet me. Angel, meet me here. (laughs) But no. When your mind is conditioned, you believe a lie. And so when the creator came to him, as though Jesus did not know what the problem is, he knows your problem. He says, hey, What would you want me to do? uh, Listen, uh, 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 I have no one to help me. Stop expecting people to help you. My help comes from above. Comes from Christ. You want the government that can't help itself to help you? You want, the, you want your parents that are tired. You're not the only child. And even if you are the only child, it's time that you help them. Help me. You want the church to help you. Thank God the church will do that. But the church is not your source. And so, Jesus said to him, you got a part to play. And it's a very simple part, but you're so ignorant of it because of the condition of your mind. Now, pick up your bed and walk. You can imagine, yeah, right, it doesn't walk that way. I've got to be in the pool. <laughs> the miracle is in the pool. Jesus said, pick up your bed. and." are you going to just, oh, yeah. I don't want to sound like a rebel. I'm just going to pick up my bed. I know I can't walk. Well, I just pick it up, and boom, boom the legs came out. I started walking. Did he need an angel? Did he need the pool? He needed to do something by himself so that he could get something for himself. Is that talking to you? So let's look as I want to close this small evening. Sometimes, it is simple instructions that bring about the greatest solutions. Sometimes. And you and I must refuse to be blinded by the painful experience that we face, but begin to ask God, open my eyes. And the Bible says, the Lord opened the eyes of Hagar, and she saw a well. Was that well newly created? Uh Uh-uh. But she had been blinded by her problem. The well had always been there. God's provisions always been there. But because of what she was going through, she could not see what God was doing. And God had to open her eyes. And as soon as God opened her eyes, she saw the well. This evening we are going to pray that God opens your eye, Or, we are going to ask you to turn on the lights. So back to my story. It was only after the visitor had explained to the old lady that she understood the good intentions of her daughter over the many years. Let me say this to you tonight. Let us not die of spiritual ignorance or suffer by our own self-made conclusions when there is always a solution at hand. When we moved to Nigeria, we rented an apartment or a house. This was a very beautiful house. I must have looked at it close to a hundred houses before we settled for this one. It's a brand new house. Your pastor's been there. Beautiful house. Five bedrooms, two lounge. You know, the whole nine yards, it was there. And we rented the place. I had no concept of time. How long are we going to live here? But we lived in this house. And our children grew up there before they returned to England. And so, we must have lived in this house for 16 years. It's a long time to live in one place. But we loved it. Peaceful estate, nice. 16 years. Then one day, around the 14th year mark, the landlord was getting a little bit uncomfortable with me. He had increased the rent over a period then it got to a point where we could not afford it anymore. And in my mind, I'm saying, pleading with him, I'm a missionary. What's the matter with you? Why are you doing this to us? He wouldn't have none of that. He kept increasing. I got to a place I couldn't afford it. And it gave me one year to move out. I was so sad. I was about turning 50 at that time. And, uh, uh, depression, you know. I, I know here in England, you don't have water, you are depressed. Yeah, yeah. You don't know nothing, man. You know the boy, you miss the bus. Oh, I'm depressed. <laughs> you run after the bus anyway. <laughs> so this is real depression. And and the devil was whispering every day to, and I'll get up and preach. Nobody knew. My wife knew, but nobody knew. How would you like to have a depressed pastor? The whole congregation will be depressed. The message will be depressed. Even the angels will be depressed. So I had to get up and preach, but I was it was hitting me. And the lie of the devil was, when you left England in 1997, I sold my property. Sold it real cheap. The guy that I sold it to, I sold it, I sold it. I'm depressed even talking about that. I sold a three-bedroom house for 40,000 pounds. Well, that was in uh, 1996. Where were you? You you were still in the belly. (laughs) And people were calling me, you're stupid, you're foolish. you I have to sell it. Went over to Nigeria. Became a tenant. The guy that I sold it to was not even married. It was a single guy. He later on came on holiday to not impact him to Nigeria. And springing around. You know what I'm <laughs> and he tells me now, this was around year 2000. It tells me that that property that I sold to him was God sent. I said, yeah. At that time, the property had shut up to 200,000 pounds. Now, do you know what depression is now? That's real depression there. And a few years later, you guys decided you were going to hold the Olympics. And that property was by the West Ham station. 40,000. It became 380,000 now. You know what depression is now. I'm in Nigeria. I'm saying, God, after all that I have done, no house, no nothing, I'm a tenant here. So I called one of the disciples in church, and I just poured my heart. It's always good to have somebody you could talk to. And I just said to this disciple, I said, "Listen, I'm not happy," and I just shared that with the and because of the house, and I'm being kicked out. He said to me, Pastor, the day that God will surprise you is coming. I'm saying, Yeah, right. It's easy for you to say you have three houses. I have nothing. uh, he said, "Don't worry, my God will do it." And say, "I'm asking in my mind, is he gonna do it through you? Are you gonna give me one? Just give me one of your houses." <laughs> but let me move on. And he said those words, and I'm his pastor, so I have to put on myself. I put on my pastor. Look, yeah, I believe God. I believe God. I didn't believe nothing. 380,000 in England, homeless in Nigeria. God. So I started looking at all these housing magazines just to either depress myself the more or try and get out of depression. So I'm flipping over. And I saw this advertisement of a property in a nice area. And you know, I, I, you look at the property and just you read about it. You say, "Yeah, let me just drive there and feed my eyes." I had no money. I'm about to not have a house, so we drove there and I looked at it. And what I saw was shocking. It was a dilapidated bungalow. Even rats would not live there. It was so bad. It was on a massive plot of land. It was a, The owners have abandoned it. It was just there. And the money was good, but I didn't even have the money. So, And I started praying, God, you said whoever left father and mother for the sake of your gospel will have now and in eternity. I don't have anything now. And as I looked at it, I drove away. A couple of days or maybe a week later, I got a phone call from an agent. I started telling people to look for properties that I could rent. And so they called me up. They said, hey, there's a property in this estate for sale. And I said, take me there. And it was exactly the same property I'd looked at. And as I saw it, I saw something different. I saw the potential of that property. I saw what it could become in God's hands. Now, Fast track all the modalities that took place. We bought the property. I called up my pastor, Pastor Brown. He's flying in. Uh, with about at that time, we're going to do a, a, a renewal of vows after 22 years. And so we come, he's flying in. He was going to come in on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fly out on Sunday after the ceremony. And he says, Glenn, I want to see the house that you bought. We drove him there. It was raining. We drove him there. He wouldn't even get down from the car. He looked at the property and said... Is this what you're about? <laughs> I said, yeah, pass on my head. This is what we can have. He said, huh? Okay. Being gracious, he just drove away. <laughs> and we started walking on that property. One year later, he comes in to do our conference from the airport. I want to see what you've done. I took him there and he said, Wow. Wow. I could never have conceived this in my mind what this place could become. Now, this place is a nice place. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, how many of you have seen the place? Only Brenda. Nice. He compensated us. The value, I don't know how you, you could put it into context. If we bought the place for $40 million, it's worth over 180 million now in just 10 years. It's nice. I'm not depressed again. <laughs> it is good to listen to the voice of wisdom in this church. There should be nobody that makes foolish mistakes. What is that thing that you're complaining that you do not have? Yet what you have is destined by God to be a blessing to you. What are you ignorant of that God is doing? What is God saying that you are filled with unbelief and doubt? I really do believe this and I leave this. That I believe that the Holy One of Israel has my best interest at heart. When would he manifest what he is doing? I don't know. What exactly is he doing? I don't know, but one thing I know is that nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No height, no death, no hardship, no tribulation, no sorrow, no challenges should separate you and I from all that God is doing in our church and in our life. We're going to believe God for great things this, this year, this month. We're going to believe God together. We are not there to dictate to God, this is what I want you to do. But we are here to release ourselves to all that God wants to do and then say, God, open the eyes of my understanding to see what you're doing. You're here tonight. You're not saved. You're not right with God. You are not born again. And listen, God does not anoint sin. But he has called every sinner to repentance. And don't allow pride fool you That you are okay when you really aren't. And it's okay not to be okay. As long as you are not okay in God's hands. God's reaching out to you. You're not born again. You're not saved. You're not ready to stand before God. Your sins are yet to be forgiven. There are things that that you are involved in that no one knows. You've been places you shouldn't be. You've done things you shouldn't be doing. You've said things you shouldn't be saying. You associate with people you have no business associating with. And you're separated from the love of God. You can only hear about the love of God. Have you experienced it? This evening you can experience it because he really does love you. And he does care about you. And so maybe you'll hear under the sound of my voice and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we sang about. You'll be honest. I'm not saved. I'm not born again, but I want to be. I want you to raise up your hand. I want to pray right now. Here is my hand, preacher. I'm not saved. If I were to breathe my last tonight, I would not make heaven my home. But I want to make heaven my home. I want God to forgive me of my sins. Would you raise up your hand? I want to pray for you. Something profound, powerful can happen in your life. Here is my hand, Pastor Glenn. Pastor Peter, pray for me. Would you raise up your hand quickly? Maybe you're here. You're a backslider. You knew God at one point in your life. You walked with God, had a relationship with God. But something happened. Something that you were not expecting to happen, happened. And that which happened have drawn you away. Now you're cold in your heart. But somehow, you've traced yourself steps to church tonight. And God is reaffirming to you his love and his commitment to saving you. He said, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Peter, please, I need need to be reconciled with God backslider, would you raise up your hand? I want to pray for you right now. Come on, lift it up high. Let me see your hand. I see your hand at the back. Would there be someone else? Come to Jesus. Come. Though your sins are like scarlet, come. Come the way you are and watch him change you to be who he wants you to be.